Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. How's it going? We are live. Sorry, uh, we got a little behind. We were listening to uh, the city council meeting. It's happening right now, live. I was just caught up in it. Actually, let's listen to a little bit of audio. I have some here. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. (laughs) (laughs) You're 100% full of shit is what I think. And you think uh-huh. we won't fucking fuck you? Oh then. my god! Who are you to tell me I'm full of shit? Oh, that's well, always interesting with Chicago City Council. I mean, actually, we had some technical difficulties. Let's not uh, sugarcoat it. I don't know what happened, but something wrong with my weirdo computer. And but here we are. We're here, right? T? Your Ben Jarowski show is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Teachers Union, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Also, Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know. The city of Chicago, ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarowski, J O R A V is in victory, S K Y. Go there and you can become a Ben head. It is Wednesday, July 21st, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, we welcome Rod Wilson and, making his return, the legendary Monroe Anderson. And now your host, in his own weird little way, legendary Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Lala Wednesday, and here's why. Woke up this morning with so much on my mind. How much on your mind, you say? That's like the Johnny Carson show long before Dennis's time. How much on your mind? What did you say his name was? Uh, Jimmy Carson? I've never heard of that guy. (laughs) Actually, I'm going to let this cat out of the bag. (laughs) Dennis listens to YouTube clips of Johnny Carson all the time. Sometimes I'll call him and he'll go, Ben, I can't talk to you. I'm watching another Henny Youngman appearance on the Johnny Carson show from 1968. Where was I? Oh, so much in my mind. I can't say it all. It's just spilling out. I said spilling out. I want to talk about Fox News all of a sudden telling people to get vaccinations. That's something for Monroe to discuss. I want to th- talk about Nancy Pelosi kicking Congressman Jim Jordan off the fact-finding investigation into the January 6th insurrection. More for Monroe to talk. I want to talk about Anthony Fauci going one-on-one with Rand Paul in the Senate hearings. He was coming at him. Had his neck rolling going, too, like this. <laughs> See that, <laughs> listeners? <laughs> Gets you kind of dizzy when you do that. I shouldn't do that. Anyway, Monroe will talk about that. Talk about the Milwaukee Bucks winning. Well, shout out to Milwaukee, our neighbors to the north. Cheeseheads, I see you. Congratulations, Giannis. 50 points in the championship game. I know it's not a sports talk show. And Dennis has got his finger on that button. Oh, he's got his finger on that button ready to kill it. But let me just say, I'll make it political, D. There were like 65,000 people gathered in the parking lot or whatever it was outside of the stadium in Milwaukee. I didn't see a mask inside. 65,000 shoulder to shoulder. I love the Bucks. By the way, you couldn't find one of them. 
who loved the Bucks back in 2012. Just saying, Bucks fans. See that bandwagon? You just jumped on it. Anyway, better late than never, I say. 65,000 of them, though, D. You can almost see the virus in the air. Anyway, congratulations, Milwaukee. But back to the virus. This is also about my mind. Newspaper headline in my beloved Bright One Home Delivery says 70% jump in Chicago COVID cases leads Lightfoot to sound alarm. Yes, that's the Lori Lightfoot sounding the alarm sound. She added three states to the quarantine advisor. Let's see, they got Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, and a bunch of other states. Palooza, it's on, baby. So let me get this. COVID's bad when it comes from Arkansas, but when it's at Lala, rock on. We're weird people. Very weird. So all these things are on my mind. I want to talk about all of them. But that's not what I'm going to talk about right now. What's on my right now is a conversation we had yesterday with Diane Palmer and Larry Alkoff of SEI Local 73. That's the union that was representing striking janitors and clerks at Stroger Hospital, county workers. They're frontline workers, meaning they have to come into work, even if there's a raging pandemic going on, because there's a job that has to be done, even if the powers that be don't particularly respect the people who do that job. Diane Palmer and Larry Alkoff were talking about the months and months negotiation The county, Cook County, had seven, count them, seven lawyers in the negotiation sessions that dragged on for months, trying to keep the union from getting, what, an extra dollar or so a raise on their lowest pay, the lowest paid worker, something like $16 an hour. $16 an hour. That's, hold on, do the math, $640 a week, $33,000 a year for a frontline worker who has to come to work because the job has to be done, even if there's a raging pandemic going on. And the county's got seven lawyers arguing against them. So, I mean, just think about it. You got seven lawyers. You know how much a lawyer costs? A lot more than $16 an hour. Look, nothing against lawyers. I love lawyers. Shout out Jim Coogan, regular guest on this show. I don't know where we'd be without him. But we don't need seven lawyers to negotiate a contract. Just hire Ted. Who's Ted, you ask? Good question, Dennis. Ted is the guy that the Sun-Times, in a previous existence, hired to uh, negotiate with my bargaining unit at the Reader. I'm going to tell you something about Ted. He was a bulldog. And it was just one of Ted. He had an assistant from HR, but Ted did all the negotiation. And every now and then they dragged in the, the big boss, the kahuna, Jim Kirk. Remember him, D? We bumped him on the train once. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. He now works at Cranes. Back in those days, he was, I forget, some kind of big shot at the Sun-Times and as such. Jim, I don't mean to minimize whatever you were. You were public. I don't know what you were, but you were really important. You were high up on the totem pole. And But Ted, every now and then Jim would be there, but Ted did all the work. Tony Preckwinkle, you could have brought Ted in, replaced Take those seven. I don't even know if Ted's a lawyer. One time he wore a Hawaiian shirt, by the way, did in negotiations. I, <laughs> just a memory that when Ted, when Ted wanted to like, like get us off the topic, he was brilliant. He would just like start giving history of labor law and nobody knew labor law like Ted. He would be like, I'm going to tell you about Taft Hartley right now. Now you listen up youngsters. If we start lecturing on Taft Hartley, we'd be like, huh? What? 
I went to a high school with a kid named Taft. The point is, you don't need seven lawyers. Tony Perkwinkle, Cook County Board President. What's with the seven lawyers? Why are you fighting so hard to keep janitors and other low-paid frontline workers from getting a, ra- a, a raise? You know, I just don't get Chicagoans, D. What part of this concept do you not understand, Chicago? The janitors live in Cook County. There's residency requirements. So many of them probably live in Chicago. If you give them a raise, if you put an extra dollar an hour into their paycheck, that's money going directly into the pockets of Chicagoans so they could spend it in Chicago on services they buy from other Chicagoans. It's like an investment, a direct investment in the city. Hello. Maybe they can make enough money someday to buy a house, pay property taxes. But here's the thing about the twist in mind of the people who run this city. When you put an extra dollar in the pocket of a janitor, it's like you're wasting our tax dollars and we need to be fiscally responsible. But if you put an extra, I don't know, $2 billion into the pockets of Jeff Bezos, like Mayor Ra and Governor Rauner, and I suspect Tony Prakwinkle was going to sign on it too as county board president, like they were gearing up to do a couple years ago. Please, Jeff Bezos, take our $2 billion plus dollars to build your Amazon headquarters. Then they tell you, well, that's sound investment strategy, Ben. So money to working class people or poor people, a waste. More money to the most fabulously wealthy people, people who have so many gazillions of dollars, they can take a spaceship, design a spaceship that looks like a penis. By the way, you notice that, D? That freaking spaceship looked like a penis. Oh, where's your head at these days? I was like, well, what a rocket ship. Never even thought about it until you said that. Take a look at it. It looks like the dildo on the Steely Dan album from the 1970s. This this one's not going on lumping. (laughs) You could say dildo. I believe that's except (laughs) this one's not going on. Just excise that out to you. Anyway, he's got so much money, he can waste it sending a rocket ship up into space. We'll give him $2 billion. God, and I hate those. The lectures I would get from Chicago, it's been a sound investment. He's going to take your money and just send it up in space, but you give an extra dollar an hour to some janitor, uh, what a waste of money. Let's bring in the lawyers to defeat it. You have lost your way, Chicago. We got a great show today, everybody. Yes, Rod Wilson will be joining us as well as Monroe Anderson. Rod Wilson is executive director of the Burns Hope Center on the south side. And uh, he was our guest at the hideout there. Great job last month. I said, Rod Wilson, you have to come on the show and talk about elected school board, talk about the challenges and struggles of getting the powers of be in the city of Chicago to make good on their promises. Uh, and... Uh, so he'll be coming on. He says he hasn't received his uh, Google uh, mail invite. Huh. We've been having we've been having troubles on that front, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Don't get me started. Uh, then, of course, the legendary Monroe Anderson will be joining us. He's got so much to say. We have a whole list of things to talk about. Oh gosh, uh, Nancy Pelosi rejecting uh, J- Congressman Jordan, Anthony Fauci versus Rand Paul, Lala and COVID, and Fox News saying get the vaccine. Plenty of Trump talk ahead. 
the legendary Monroe Anderson. First, we're going to reach out to Rod Wilson. We'll take a brief break. And when we return, we'll have Rod Wilson with us. Stick around, everybody. We're going to reach our next guest on the phone, Rod Wilson. Hello. Is that Rod Wilson? It's me. Yes, Rod, thanks for putting up with us. I don't know what's going on. We're having technical issues, mm-hmm. which I'm going to blame on Google uh, because right, right, for right, some right. reason not, they're not delivering the invites. Uh, but you're a great sport, and I really appreciate you uh, sticking with us to have this conversation. So thank you very much, Rod. No problem, man. All right, Rod Wilson, Executive Director of Lugina uh, Burns Hope Center, uh, was our guest at the hideout last month. We were discussing elected school board, and he did such a good job. I said, uh, Rod Wilson, you have to return to my podcast to tell people, uh, give them the message that you gave at the, um, the hideout, because the essential message, Rod, is that basically you can fight like hell for years and years and years. And in the end, I'll try to crush you. That's, that's essentially how I, uh, the takeaway I had from it, uh, in the most general sense, uh, Rod Wilson. So why don't you start by telling folks about, uh, the early days of a struggle for an elected school board, how many years ago was it and what motivated you to get involved in it? So this was mid 2000, around 2006. I worked at the Kenwood Oak community organization and which, in the Bronzeville area, we were ground zero for school closing that started like in the late 90s. And so we just realized, you know, we were going to all these board board meetings telling, telling the board not to close the school and the reasons why. But no matter how many times, how many parents, how many, you know, petitions, they still closed them. Sometimes they were closing schools and on the south side, like Douglas Elementary School, using the test scores from Douglas High School on the west side. And we tell them, no, you got the wrong school, but they closed it anyway. So we realized that this board wasn't responsive to the stakeholders, uh, to the parents, to the constituents, to the people who had the most, um, had the most in the game, to the students. It was responsive to the people that got them their seats, they they will be holding to the mayor because that's who put them in that position. And so that's when we realized that the board is appointed, it's not elected. And everywhere else in Illinois has elected school board, that's what we need. So we began to, you know, uh, talk to other parent leaders about it. And I think I mentioned in 2006, you know, Deach Brown, who was our education organizer, led a campaign at the Board of Billiken, just to talk, talk and flying folks. And he was the one who actually pulled a coalition together um, in 20, I want to say 11, mm-hmm. 2011, called CODE, Communities Organized for Democracy and Education. And we coordinated the first citywide referendum in November 2012 around, school, around like the school board. So that's kind of, that's how I got into it. Um, just dealing with the school closures um, and learning about it from working with, uh, you know, the education on YouTube around the time. And then, then we just got been on it since then. And, and we've been dealing with different different iterations of what the board could look like, different um, bills in Springfield. And Chicago needs it. Chicago deserves it. And when you look nationwide, there are like, like, Nine, I believe, it might be a little bit more. You know, places where they had appointed school boards, 
all of them but one were in cities where predominantly people of color. Mm-hmm. So it sure it shows that it's a racial issue. They're not doing this in Winnetka. They're not doing this in Central Illinois. You know, they're only mm-hmm. doing it where black and brown folks live. So it's, it's a racial reckoning. And it's also voter suppression because you're taking the vote away from people and taxation without representation because people can, the boards can levy taxes and you don't elect them. So there are a lot of issues with this. And we we said, you know, we said a long time this needs to end. I know um, they recently passed the bill. I could just move forward to where we're at now. Um, but it's the same, it has the same framework that the bill um, Emmanuel tried to present to us in, I don't know, almost that 20. 15 maybe mm-hmm. which was a hybrid board and we didn't we didn't we, we showed like why do we need a hybrid board and so what this board does it puts a hybrid in place and hybrid meaning part elected part um appointed mm-hmm. with the majority of the votes appointed by the mayor so it's still mayoral control and that's our concern about this this gives mayoral control for another six years because 11 positions are Appointed, only ten of them are elected, and we feel, why do we have to have a hybrid board? No one else has to have a hybrid board. We don't have to have one either. But the city Democrats or the city leadership was the ones who orchestrated this and was the architect of putting this together. And this is what they wanted. And so, why is the state state senator out of Oak Park who has an elected school board saying that we have to have and a, you know, mayoral control for another six years. Well, Park doesn't have it. And then even I can even put some blame on Chris, Emmanuel Chris Welch, who was speaking out, because they didn't have to agree with it. And they'd already passed the bill in the House that said we'd have a fully elected board in 2023. They could have just held their position. And he used to be on the school board out in what, Westchester or somewhere. There's a lot of politics. And a lot of politics. And it, and it doesn't take into account what the families in Chicago want, desire, and deserve. All right. Uh, and uh, just point out that uh, when we were at the hideout last month, uh, we were joined by Rob Martwick and Delia Ramirez, Delia, the House yep. rep who sponsored the bill uh, in the House, uh, and uh, Rob Martwick, of course, the state senator sponsored in the Senate. Uh, and they were saying uh, they were arguing that this is the best bill we could get at this moment. Uh, putting aside and the, the state Senate president that uh, Rod Wilson alluded to was a gentleman named Don Harmon, who's comes uh, is, uh, comes from Oak Park. And uh, so, Rod, putting aside the merits of this particular bill, which, by the way, as I was saying to Rob before we went on the air, has not been signed in the law yet. <laughs> I'm so skeptical right. about anything these characters do. Uh, I still have my doubts as to whether Pritzker is going to sign it, but let's put that to the side. Whenever right. I listen to uh, uh, you, you tell uh, the tale of how you got involved, 2006, that's 15 right. years ago. That's a long, yeah. 15 years. And I always think about the counter argument. And uh, that the uh, anti-elected school board f- uh, people make, uh, Rod Wilson. I'm gonna and I'm gonna boil it down and then turn this question over to you. So the the, the argument that they make is that if we don't have a school board 
controlled by the mayor. There'll be utter chaos in Chicago. And if the Sun-Times went so far in their editorial, Rod Wilson, to say test scores will plummet, people will leave the city, our taxes will rise if we have an elected school board. And, Rod, I've been around town, Chicago a long time. And I remember these are the same arguments people made regarding the election of Harold Washington in 1983. Exactly. exactly. It's going to be chaos in the streets of Chicago. Look out. Crime. <laughs> Just, it's like... Why is it, Rod Wilson? Please help me on this. That whenever you like to talk about giving some power to somebody who doesn't already have power in the city of Chicago, that's right. The powers that be tell you it's going to be an apocalypse that follows. Be scared. Exactly. Be very scared. The help me out, Rod Wilson, fall. on this one. The sky is going to fall. All this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's just fear mongering, you know, and that's all it is. And it's trying to. Because at the end of the day, compared to the amount of people who don't have power, there are a small number that do. And they're the ones that, that benefit from a appointed school board. They're the ones that have uh, influence on what schools are built. They're the ones who have influence on contracts, all those different things. So it's always in the, the existing power structure. Always, it's been really organized money to always have it centralized with one person. Because then all the guys do is influence that one person. And so we're saying when you stretch that power out amongst a few people, like 21 people, that's different now. And that's, that was our argument against the mayor. The mayor won the smaller council, uh, smaller uh, school board. And they cited most school boards are not this big. Most city councils aren't this big either. Scott's the largest city council in the country, 50 people. And it worked. I mean, does it work the way we want to? But they do pass laws. They do. They are able to govern. Do they govern the way we want? I mean, the best possible way? Maybe not. But it's not going to be a thing where things can't get done. You know what I'm saying? You got 118 state reps. And, and so, yeah, you, it still get done. And, it, and that's coming from, it used to be 177. It's like, so... To say that, you know, and I guess, and I'm saying it's about distributing power amongst people. The more people you have, the more under male control, you have a centralized piece with one person, and it's easy to influence policy. We looked at school closing. and I even went over and just cited a few instances where they were bad, it was a bad policy, and it was harm done to our children. Male control has, has had a lot of harm. I mean, again, I, I, um, there was a, a school future Commons. It had a 100% graduation rate, a high school. They gave the land to CHA close to close the school, all because of mayor control, because the mayor controlled CHA and, and CPS. And I know five young brothers who never graduated ended up dropping out because at the school they were sent to, they, kept, they were getting jumped on at the school, and they couldn't, because they're on station, they couldn't go to school. So this is something that if we had a elected school board, we had someone responsible for this area, this district, we could raise that concern to them and they could go and advocate for us versus having seven appointed people who don't care what we're saying and only going to do what the mayor wants them to do because they're trying to put, put, trying to bring forth whatever the vision that the mayor had. And, you know, we, we was even told that 
And during that time in the mid 2000s, the CHA, the head of CHA was determining what schools to close in our area based on gentrification, based on housing market, based on closing down public housing and what they wanted to, you know, bring it. And, and, and again, when you got a mayoral control system, you have everything centralized so it could, it could run all the, all the horses could be going in one direction, all the chips could be going in one direction, but they don't make it right. They don't make it, it doesn't make it work for the average everyday folks who, who are going to have the most, who are going to suffer the most from the policy. Mm. I mean, oh, we yeah. can go over more, we go David Talley, he was head of AUSL. And then he became head of CPS board. And what did AUSL get? 28 no, no school contracts, no big mm. contracts, 28 of them. Mayoral control. Like, you had Barbara Bird Bennett, what happened with her? You know, mayoral control, it's like, all, we got instances and instances. This is what the Sun Times don't talk about. All the instances of corruption, the thing that happened with the guy, Uno, I forgot his name. Uh, all the instances. Yes, but they don't talk about that. <laughs> or the Tribune. They don't talk about that. They just, okay, that was that. That was the isolated incident. But no, isolated incident, year after year after year after year. Come on now. They just, but we, that's why we have to fight for what we need, but that's why we got to have elected officials that are going to fight for it. And I think in this particular fight, again, Senator Marvel did a great job, and I, and I respect him for all the work he's done for this. But I do think, and, I, and this is where we disagree, we could have had an elected school board that started sooner than 2027 if they would have fought for that. But that's not how Springfield works. And this, the leadership in Springfield and both chambers determine what bills get called. And that's not, so when you're looking at policy that's happening throughout the state, there are a few people who, it's the same thing, a few people determining what's happening. And that ain't how it should work. And they should have held the line. And they should have supported us. Because the House was, would not have supported that. That would have forced the Senate to, re- you know, look at it differently. Or that would have made him look bad because he promised, to, you know, him being sent to Army, to put to pass him like this school board, and he wouldn't have done it. He could have been held accountable for that. But we don't do that. We don't hold the legislators don't hold each other accountable. They work with one another. Now I get that, but they're not there to work with themselves. They're not there to support each other. They're there to represent us, and we have to change that culture. And it's and it's difficult. It's difficult. So but it's what we it's what we got to deal with until we change it. Because they're not going to change it because it works for them. <laughs> We have to take it. We have to let them know if you're going, if you plan on going back down there, you got to do something different. <laughs> anyway, All right. I, now, I, Rob Wilson, uh, you mentioned culture and Chicago culture. Yeah. So let me just take a, let me set this up a little bit and then ask you this question. Uh, as I say in the show many times, I am not from Chicago, Rob Wilson. I've lived here for, for a long, long time. And so as a, in a sense, I'm a student of Chicago. Chicago is a subject that I study. So I study Chicagoans. That's my whole adult life, Rod. I've been uh, dedicated to the study of Chicago behavior. All right. That's mm-hmm. if if they gave out a PhD, mine would be in Chicago. You too, curiously enough, mm-hmm. interestingly enough, as I had, my memory tells me, are not from Chicago. You moved That's to right. this city, okay? I That's believe right. you come from. If I could do this correctly, Southern Illinois. You from East St. Louis? Do, do I have East that? Louis. Correct? That's right. 
that memory is still sharp as a tack. All right, Rod Wilson. <laughs> so just follow me where I'm going. So you too okay. have been a student of Chicago. You've been a student yeah. less than a fewer years than me, but long enough mm-hmm. to have made some observations about this fair city that you and I, for better or worse, have decided to call our home. All right. Now, my question to you is this. What is it about the city of Chicago? Follow me on this, Rod Wilson, that you get almost as like the, as sure as the sun rising in the east and setting in the west <laughs> that any mayoral appointee to the school board will do whatever the mayor says. Now, I, I come from a family, not a lot of people in my family, but if you put our family around the Thanksgiving dinner table, Rod Wilson, and raise a topic, mm-hmm. guarantee you at least two people will disagree on that topic. It's not like they're all going to say, well, Ben, <laughs> if you said it, it must be the case. You take right, seven right. Chicagoans, you put them on the school board, and they all of a sudden they're like really smart people in their everyday life, Rod Wilson, you know, like made a lot mm-hmm. of money in business, law, whatever, you know, very smart people, way smarter than me. You put them on a Chicago school board, and all of a sudden it's like, well, if the mayor says so, sounds good to me. <laughs> so what is it about Chicago, Rod Wilson, that you can guarantee almost 100% support for whatever the mayor says, please explain that to me. Go ahead, Rod. Well, you know, and I don't know if it's just isolated to Chicago. I think everybody that gets some type of an appointment, I th- this is just me, and I can't prove this, I'll say that. They benefit from that appointment somehow. I can't speak to how. <laughs> All I can say is I, I know in my heart of heart they benefit from it somehow. So if you put if I'm if I'm the mayor, I'm only going to appoint people who I know that's going to do what I want them to do. I'm you know try to find the you know, the best people, the best represent whatever that looks good, but they still are going to do what I want to do. So I think it ain't just random people; it's people <laughs> that are hand selected to do what the mayor wants them to do. So and that's power. That's how power works. Power just tries to work. All power wants to do is keep and obtain more power. So whoever sits in that seat, that's their goal. And this mayor is no different. I mean, we, she talked about a lot of stuff, like the school board and all this. And did nothing like the school board exists. Only time she does anything is when it comes up for a vote. And then she does things to, or her administration does things to uh, stop it from getting voted on. And that's it, because again, it's in her interest for it not to pass. Even this bill that passed now is still in her interest. Even though publicly she says it, she didn't like it, but she still got mayoral control for the rest of her term. For the rest of her term. And I hate to say that if she is voting in again, she got it for another four years. Because the elected school board won't the start full elected school board until 2017. So I think it is it's not that it's different from Chicago. I think in Chicago, you, it's a large city with lots of money, and those in power know this, and those in power know that they want to do things happen their way. And they're only going to put people on on any board. CHA is no different. It's no different. The mayor points to um, the um, the folks for CHA, and what do they do? They just do what the mayor wants to do. Same thing. I mean, we've had a lot of bouts with CAC around many different things. Um, and it's always beating our head up against it because they only do what the mayor wants them to do. I mean, I think these appointed boards 
they benefit the mayor because the mayor gets to enact their vision, but it doesn't, it may not benefit the people if that big vision doesn't include us. And many times it doesn't. It includes, you know, and I'm going to say us, I mean people of color, I mean people who are low to moderate income, extremely low, definitely. It doesn't include us. And we have to, you know, recognize that and just make sure that this is a good step. But again, it's six more years of male control and anything can happen in six years. And then the General Assembly, could we could should we call this bill or change it or do something different and say we don't even want to do it year five? You know what I'm saying? So I think so to answer your question, I just say I don't know if it's exclusive for Chicago, but that's just how power works. And in well, Chicago yeah. it's political and it's about power. Well, you know, uh, the reason why I'm, I'm so uh, I think that's there's something about the Chicago mentality here is that I, and I listened to your uh, uh, explanation and I bought a lot of it, uh, Rod, because I, I think you're absolutely correct uh, that the mayor is looking for a certain type uh, when he or she makes an appointment. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's like 100 percent foolproof. You know, I, I repeat, you put 100 people, uh, no, they've had about 50 members of the board since uh, Daly took control in 95, and not one of them has significantly deviated. They must have some kind of saliva test they apply to these people. Uh, Rod Wilson that determines, well, they have a biological. No, I'll put you on that. I, I totally agree. And I, think, and, and I think people just want to fall in line. I mean, look at the city council. This is. This is a good example of it. Just people just wanting to fall in line as well. The city council, instead of them determining their committee chairs, they yield that to the mayor. I used to think that it was a power within the charter that gave the mayor that power, and it's not. The city council could determine their own um, chairs of their committees. And why is that important? Because the chairs of the committees determine what ordinances are heard and get voted on. So they determine what 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 even gets a chance to get voted on, and if the mayor selects the chairs, the mayor selects what ordinance move forward, and the city council just yields that to them. I thought this was going to be the year that they didn't do that when uh, not this year, but you know the year that uh uh life life came in, but they did again. It made no sense to me. Why would you give your power up? <laughs> but. Maybe, but maybe you're right. Maybe it is just Chicago because it doesn't. That doesn't make sense to me at all. Well, they're they're that's crazy. Uh, we're we're heading on a, a tangent here, but uh, there yeah, are aspects sorry. of the Chicago mentality that apply themselves to things. You're you're absolutely correct. Why would aldermen who are very uh, on some levels very street smart political uh, operators? They know yeah. how the game is played. We all know that, Rod. Most I don't care the 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 least sophisticated alderman in the world at least knows how the political game is played. So why would they willingly right. give something up? Uh, so they probably get something in return. You're absolutely right. That's right. And they've decided mm-hmm. that whatever they get in return uh, is worth whatever they give up. So they willingly give it up. And uh, and I do believe that's part of a Chicago mentality where it's very much a transactional way of looking at the world. Rob that's it. That's definitely it. I think you put, that's the best way to put it. It is transactional because yeah. the only connector that I can see between those are those campaign contributors. 
to those who contribute to the mayor, you know, those who want to be getting their coffers as aldermen, they'll do this because they can help, the mayor can help them and also the developers and whoever else can give to them. It is transactional. Yeah. And, and it's crazy. It's really crazy. You, you yield your power just to get a couple of coins, you know, just to get a couple of, a little, little trinket. It's like, eh, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it reminds me, uh, and, and uh, this is way before your time, when uh, Martin Luther King came to Chicago in 1966 uh, to mm-hmm. bring his uh, campaign to end poverty to the North uh, from the South. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mayor Daley, the old man, not the kid that you know, uh, yeah. got him in a room and said, all right, basically said, what do you want? <laughs> like, what is right. it going to take to get you out of this city? And they were thinking, like, jobs. Right. I give you some jobs. And so Dr. King's like, I want justice. I want an end to poverty. And Mayor Daly's like, what? <laughs> you being unrealistic. I guarantee you, Martin Luther King would never get put on a school board. Guarantee it. Okay. Right. And what did he say? He said Chicago is the most segregated city he'd ever been in. <laughs> well, because he, he, he took, uh, the South. open, he led open housing marchers to uh, Marquette Park, which in those days was surrounded by white neighborhoods, and they threw right. a rock at him. Just think yeah. about that. I, mean, I always tell that to Chicago. It's yeah. just to irritate him, Rod, because on uh, Mar- Martin Luther King Day, everybody gets together and oh, I love you and you love me mm-hmm. and come on, and they sing uh, "We Shall Overcome," and then as soon right. as the breakfast is over, they go back to <laughs> throwing rocks at each other. Being who they are, exactly. <laughs> That's one thing I think we never learn. You cannot legislate morality. Morality is something that we have to nurture within children to grow it out of a generation from another generation. It can't just be legislated. You can say, you know, we're going to stop segregation, we're going to stop this, but whatever fed us to, 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 to determine that policy still exists. I mean, we'll, I mean, I don't want to go off of the tangent, but we're looking at the same, the same thing on a national level. You know what's happening with the United States and you know everything and Trumpism and all that. It's the same thing. I mean, all of that is still the same thing that's coming out of from that time period. Absolutely. Uh, all right, uh, Rob Wilson. There's so much more I want to ask you about as we speak in the city council, and I don't know what has happened. Uh, I'm away from it. Obviously, uh, they're debating a, mm-hmm. uh, a parallel uh, matter, and that's to have a civilian oversight uh, board for mm-hmm. the police department, uh, which, if yep. the bill passes, would have uh, elected uh, representatives to a board. So there would be more uh, elections coming up. Not quite sure how much power and authority the board would really have. They've kind of ordered it down, to put it mildly. Uh, do you see yeah. the parallels between the struggle for uh, oversight for the police and an elected school board? Definitely, because it's always about power. Who has decision-making authority? Elected school board, the board will determine policy and govern the, the Chicago public schools. And this, and what the community groups were fighting for initially was about power. I mean, my organization was a part of GAFA when we formed when we designed the framework that created the bill that passed, it ain't the same bill. And we're not, and, and I want to be clear, we weren't a part of the passages. We left the coalition about a year ago because of the mayor kept trying to water it down. And it wasn't really a good faith effort in, in us talking to each other. Um, but what it, it is a definite parallel because even, I mean, even more so with police, there's no real accountability because 
the policy when allow the police to get away with what they get away with is the policies that are in place and the contract. Those two things protect them. And the contract is negotiated with the city. We should have more input on that and people should be more aware of what's in those contracts to make sure that the city doesn't pass, it doesn't accept certain things that, that would hurt us in our community. But the other thing is policy. We should have civilians who determine policies for the style of police. That would help. And, and, the, and what would be ideal is having those people be elected. I know when uh, we joined GAPA many years, a few years ago, because we were torn, some of our coalition members didn't believe elections would be good. They're like, we don't win elections. And that was, a, that was the argument. So we came up with a model where let's, just, let's have Three district council members for every every uh, police district. Those district council members should be elected. Uh, we agreed on that, and we'll say so. That's twenty two districts, uh, sixty six people total. You take one person from each one of those district councils, and then they come together, and then they select the people who are on the oversight board. That was what we could agree to. I mean, because we, I was an advocate that the oversight board should be elected, but. I mean, people were in different camps and they had different thoughts, and that's, that was the model we came with. But that, but the key to this, though, is what is the power of the oversight committee? When we first came up with it, we, we in our policy, they could um, they selected the, the, um, the superintendent, they get rid of the superintendent, they selected the corporate chief, they get rid of the corporate chief, and they had final decision-making authority over policy. And what has passed is they'll submit names to the mayor for, for the police chief and corporate chief. So the mayor has to select someone from what, from the pool they give them. But we know that that, that the mayor can, you know, not do that because she's supposed yeah. to that with, um, with the police board. Manny was suspended the rules and did what he wanted to do one year. So that was one thing. So, but, but they set out being able to take the, um, to get rid of the superintendent, which I think waters it down. Then we have, we put in a piece of our no-confidence vote. At least let's have a no-confidence vote. It should be pub, a public thing of, we don't have any confidence in this person, and then have the city council determine, and the mayor took that out as well. So, and then last, the only thing we had when we entered it was the, 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 the oversight committee was the last authority uh, on policy. And to me, if we could have got that, then that would have been kind of worse. But again, the mayor would want it down. And what happens now is this community oversight board can draft policy, but the last authority is the mayor. Yeah. So if they draft the policy and the police don't agree with it, then the mayor can determine whether she wants, whether he or she wants to move that policy forward, which doesn't do what we wanted to do. So, because you have to have a change in power, you have to challenge the power structures to all these, in order to get changes in our community that we can really see. And again, ain't nothing going to be a panacea, but at least begin to move in a direction where people have more power over the policies that determine their lives. And this don't really, I mean, it's something, but it ain't what we, when we got into this fight, we really wanted. <laughs> All right, Rod Wilson, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to talk to us and putting up with all our technical difficulties. Uh, uh, no problem, man. 
Google Meet is doing to us, but uh, I'm going to bring you on more often. Fascinating discussions. A guy from East St. Louis and a guy from Evanston will try to figure out Chicago. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? Because <laughs> yeah, Chicagoans are not doing a very good job of figuring it out themselves on their own. That's right. All right. Very good. Take care, Rod. Good talking to you. All right. Thanks, man. I have a good one. Uh, that's Rod Wilson. Uh, I believe we're going to bring a Monroe on pretty soon. We're going to take a break and we come back. Uh, let's hope this Google meet doesn't just completely crash and we'll have Monroe Anderson talking all things national politics. Be right back. But hey, I got to be honest. This is one of my favorite things. Uh, we haven't done it in a while. I love doing it. Calling our guests live. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so we called uh, Rod Wilson, and he was uh, gracious enough to answer the phone. Now we're calling Monroe, uh, who's standing yeah. by. Uh, I think he's here, Monroe. Yeah. Monroe? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Dennis. Thank you very much. Uh, Monroe Anderson joins us every Wednesday, as you know. And Monroe, here's the situation before we take the deep dive. So we, we have no uh, we have no embarrassment about uh, putting all our blemishes right out there in front, Monroe. So uh, we do this by Google Meet, and for some reason, uh, Google Meet is really slow today. So it takes at least 20 minutes it's, it's to deliver. Chinese and the Russian got to them. <laughs> it's, ah, it's Mayor Lightfoot. She's sick and tired of all this subversion coming on the Ben Jarofsky show. And uh, so uh, Dennis, quick on his feet. The man really has earned his salary today. He's been quickly um, reaching out to guests by phone. So uh, all's well. Uh, that ends well. All right, Monroe. Been really looking forward to our conversation. I was teasing it on top. Uh, the three things I really want to cover uh, for the get-go, well, four things, really. Uh, Nancy Pelosi rejecting uh, Jim Jordan. Uh, and there one other Republican congressman from the Oversight Committee of the Insurrection, uh, Anthony Fauci, going one-on-one. Finally, just finally, so he finally just had enough with uh, Senator Rand Paul. Uh, then uh, Fox News getting religion on the vaccine. What's that all about? Uh, and uh, we'll close with, uh, we got to talk to little Jeff Bezos with all his gazillions of dollars uh, shooting a rocket to the moon, or not to the moon, but to the outer space. So we'll be covering all that. Let's start with Nancy Pelosi rejecting uh, Congressman Jordan of Ohio. Give uh, What's the latest on that? Is there anything and, new on and, that one? And, and Jim Banks. She, and Jim Banks. She, Go ahead. Yeah, and Jim Banks from Indiana. Uh, and the latest is that uh, McCarthy just had a press conference 20 minutes ago, half an hour ago. And say, well, if she if she won't accept everybody, and he nominated all five of them, then nobody is going to be on there. Nobody's going to do it. So, so a Republican can't. Uh, Liz Cheney can do it, right? I mean, she do whatever she wants. Liz Cheney, correct? yeah, no, exactly. No, he's talking about he was supposed to have five guys, the five guys, five white men. Uh, on on his um, on 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 his uh, part of the committee, January sixth committee, and because she uh, because Pelosi rejected Banks and Joyner, then McCarthy says nobody, none of the five that he nominated will will participate because it's political. And because they're not, they are doing what he thinks they should be doing. They should be, uh, they should be investigating uh, why wasn't the Capitol Police ready for what happened on January 6th. 
and, what, it, and what, because they weren't ready, it's Pelosi's fault. <laughs> um, well, that's interesting, uh, Monroe, <laughs> that he's stating it that way because the Republicans are sort of all over the map, uh, as you know, when it right, comes to because January they don't 6th. have any defense. Yeah, they they want they want to bury it as soon as possible because they have people who were participants in what happened on January 6th. And they don't want that coming out. You know, I mean, and, 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 he, and Pelosi was, I think, fairly democratic, as in nice-nice, about this committee, because uh, the majority, as you know, the vast majority of Republicans voted against having um, the um, counting, actually accepting the the, um, the, the Biden's nomination mm-hmm. on well, January, January 6th they, for the Electoral College. They voted against it. A majority of Republicans. Uh, three of the five Republicans that um, McCarthy nominated had voted against having it at all. And, and many Democrats' position was that anybody who voted against the um, constitutional dictate mm-hmm. that Biden become president shouldn't be on the committee to begin with. Because obviously they had a bias. Uh, by the way, the McCarthy uh, question is Kevin McCarthy, Congressman Kevin McCarthy from California, who is the uh, the Republican leader of the House. Uh, yeah, he's what a was minority leader? Yeah, yeah, uh, minority leader. What was the specific reason cited by Nancy Pelosi? I've not seen the news story, Monroe, as to why she was rejecting uh, Banks, Congressman Banks, and Jordan. Um, because she doesn't want it to be a circus. You know, for example, uh, Joyner, uh, after he was nominated, said that this was a, a political thing. He said that Pelosi was going to make a political thing out of this, and and that's what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And um, then he started he started um, just saying all the crazy stuff that Jim Jordan Jordan said. I mean, he has he he has a very twisted perspective on all this, and this is why Nancy didn't want him on there. Pelosi didn't want him on there because he he would turn it into a circus. He he would attack the Democrats for things that have absolutely nothing. You know, for example, um, Joyner wants to investigate, and in fact, that's what one of the statements he made was that um, the committee should investigate all of the um, violence that um, the uh, that happened prior to one six that Pelosi was responsible for because she wasn't um, hard enough on the, the Black Lives Matter and and um, George Floyd people protests. You know, and it has it had absolutely nothing to do with January sixth, but it, it's it's um, a distraction and a smokescreen. Yeah, well, uh, there's I could see three issues that the Republicans have with any kind of honest 
investigation and what went down January 6th. The first, obviously, is Donald Trump's role. Donald Trump gave the speech right. uh, that directed exactly. the crowd to the Capitol. So they, and he is the most popular Republican among Republicans in the land. So they can't, uh, for their own political uh, safety, Monroe, have an investigation into Donald Trump's role in the insurrection. Uh, right, and then and, they, and, then, and the other yeah, and the other thing they they don't want the the investigation because it's it's gonna it's gonna drag into next year with the uh, midterm, and it's not gonna go well for Republicans who who very smugly think they're gonna get back the House during the midterm and and probably the Senate. Well, uh, so again, this news is breaking while uh, I've been uh, preparing for the show. They could still have the investigation without Kevin. Oh, they are going to have it. Okay, so there you go. So Tuesday, it's got. But but because no Republicans um, except Liz Cheney Mm -hmm. are going to be involved in it, it shows that Pelosi is political, and that this is a political thing, not a an earnest. Um, effort to find out the truth. This is what the Republicans are saying. And now the reason the reason they had the commission is because uh, the Democrats were trying to set up a nonpartisan 9/11 style investigation uh, with people who were not in Congress, and the Republicans rejected that. And and, and they're rejecting that. The next move was this, this, this uh, one-six committee investigation, and the Republicans rejected that because Nancy Pelosi rejected two of the most partisan um, re- uh, Republican nominees, McCarthy. So it's all fun and games with the uh, with 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 the Republicans. Well, and and when you since but you now raised, but, and now they're and now they're they're characterizing it as a a partisan democratic um, witch hunt. And and what's uh, your response to their characterization of it as a partisan democratic witch hunt? Oh no! The thing is, the because what's going to come out sooner or later is that there are some Republicans mm-hmm. who are in cahoots with the protest, the rioters. And that's going to come out in, in this thing. And so they don't, they don't want it for that reason. It, you know, it, 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 would, it would be sort of like um, if, if, if Jesse James had people that were investigating bank robbery. <laughs> <laughs> and he protested because... Um, None of his gang members could be in, in on the investigation. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. The Republicans yeah. are so ridiculous. You know, this is why Manchin and Cinema are still clinging to the idea of bipartisanship. It's crazy. Because the Republicans are not going to be bipartisan on this at all. But they think that they can get power back uh, in next year's election. And so that's all their focus is on 
what do they do to make sure that this happens? So they're, they're suppressing votes. They're setting up uh, a situation where um, if their vote voter suppression doesn't work, then they have um, people in position to say that the election needs to be redone or count or, or who can count the votes regardless of what the votes actually were. And, um, and, and they're trying to suppress uh, this whole idea that, that MAGA people try, stage, uh, stage a coup d'etat. It failed, but they staged it. And, yeah, um, the, the the Republicans have like this existential crisis when it comes to January sixth, and then you you raise the, the issue the 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 contrast to nine eleven, uh, and I'm going to try to avoid going on my uh, dissert, dissertation on uh, the nine eleven report, which had a lot of problems. Came out mind, a little but, year, yes, yeah, well, uh, but, but and it wasn't it didn't start until a year after. Yeah, and and somehow or yeah, other, nine so eleven was used as a pretext to invade Iraq. I'm still uh, it, it, so much of the damage to the fabric of our country began there, uh, Monroe. But let's just move on from not the nine eleven. The the one a huge difference between nine yeah. eleven uh, and January six, aside from the the scale of it, obviously, many more people were killed right. in nine eleven than uh, right. January six. But aside from the scale is that there was a general consensus in the United States that 9-11, the attacks in, uh, of 9-11 were, quote-unquote, bad. There right. is not a general consensus in the United States that the uh, the storming of the Capitol on January 6th was, quote-unquote, bad. The Republican Party has... Oh, yeah, there was. Now, there was. No, on, on January 6th, January 7th, there was a consensus. Now, no, there no. wasn't a consensus at that time as to who did it. Um, if you recall, the Republicans were saying that Antifa and the Black Lives Matter people yeah. had infiltrated the peaceful MAGA crowd and and um, started it. Yeah. When when the videos came out, kept coming out with all those Trump flags around and and no visible sight of anybody from Antifa or Black Lives Matter, then it's slowly started shifting to, well, this wasn't a, a, a riot. This was a, um, a peaceful protest. And this is where yeah. the Republicans are now. Yeah. They, they're trying to, they're, they're, they're trying to uh, rewrite history to make it not it's ne nearly as bad as it is. And this is why the Democrats want to have the committees so they could show the videos over and over and over again from every angle. Yeah. And then you have the, the Department of Justice who are, are arresting people and charging people and releasing different, okay, let's, let's say that you participated, that you were there on January 6th, and you were one of the guys carrying a um, Blue Lives Matter flag beating the living daylight out of one of the Capitol Police women. And they've captured you on, on video doing that. So, so, and they're just now getting around to um, indicting you for your actions. So then what happens is the, the video of your 
carrying the Blue Lives Matter flag and beating the living daylights out of a cop is shown. It's on all the news uh, uh, networks. And that's just for today, six months later. And this will go on and on and on for a while yet. Yeah. So this, this, is, this is the problem is the Republicans have to adopt the who are you going to believe, me or your lying eye? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the Republican strategy. Well, I, uh, I, urge, I urge Nancy Pelosi to carry on. I know she doesn't need my urging. She's going to do it anyway. And uh, if Liz Cheney is the only Republican on the committee, so be it. Uh, and, and they love uh, they, they, and they, the, the Democrats are loving on Liz, Liz Cheney for a change. And that's because she has been in on all the meetings with them, and what she has done is brought a Republican perspective to it. You know, I, I, I mean a Republican perspective versus a MAGA perspective. Yeah. And so she, she, she's pointed out things and um, gave, um, pointed out how from her eyes things are slightly different than from the Democratic side. And it's been very helpful. Well, I, so, I, uh, <laughs> I, I really don't see... Uh, I mean, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger are essentially articulating a view that almost any mainstream Democrat could articulate when it comes to January 6th. And that is that there's a false narrative that the election was stolen and that that false narrative was uh, articulated by uh, Donald Trump. uh, And that that false narrative gave uh, Trump's more fanatical supporters the excuse they needed to uh, storm the Capitol to rectify a wrong. And so uh, I think there's widespread uh, agreement on that. To me, what I would love to find out from an investigation that goes further into this is, was there more specific contacts between the Trump campaign people uh, and the rioters? I would love to find out, you know, you know what I'm saying, some substantive... Yeah, no, there, 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 there is. <laughs> there is. That's, that's, I mean, there's no doubt about that. And, and this is what this is why the Republicans don't want the investigation at all. You know, and of course, what's ridiculous about this is how many Benghazi investigations yeah. did the Republicans do on Hillary? Yeah. And, and in and fact, I, yeah. um, at one point, um, after several of them had been closed with no um, culprit. Um, nothing that Hillary did wrong. Uh, one of the Republicans, I can't remember which one, but bragged, somebody from Wisconsin, I, I think, he bragged that um, they had driven Hillary's numbers down just by having the hearing. So they Absolutely. worked in that, that aspect. Right. And, so the, and, and this is what the Republicans are fearful of now. And of course, the difference between the big Benghazi hearing and the January 6th hearing is that very devious things were done on January 6th. Benghazi was just uh, something that happened. Uh, the, the three, the, you, you got the, the ambassador 
killed and three CIA operatives. And, you know, that goes with the job. That's part of the job um, responsibility that if you work with the CIA, you might get killed. They had advised the ambassador to leave. And he, he he wanted to do his job and stay there, so he was killed for that reason. But the CIA operatives, you know, they were there. That was part of they were supposed to be there, mm. pretending to be computer operators or whatever their cover was. Uh, all right, uh, let's shift gears a little bit because we'll be talking about this one for weeks, I'm sure, uh, yeah. as this investigation unfolds. Anthony Fauci finally said enough with Senator Rand Paul. This one was, <laughs> I watched the showdown, and uh, Anthony Fauci, I've, you know, he spent the last two years just being calm and just right. trying to be dispassionate. Uh, right. And finally, yesterday he had enough. And you notice he was doing neck rolls, like he was going, "I've had," and his neck was rolling. I'm like, "Where did he?" Yeah, right. <laughs> and, 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 and he, instead of giving him a listen to the hand <laughs> signal, he gave him a finger point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and of course, Ram Paul. You know, there. but the thing is, you know, Ram, and and this was some movie. I can't remember what was a running joke. So Rand Paul is a dentist, not a doctor. <laughs> this is a running joke in some com- comedy uh, movie or series. Is that the character who said he was a doctor? Somebody mm-hmm. else would point out that he was a dentist, not a doctor. Well, <clears throat> well, dentists get to call themselves doctors as well. Uh, doctors of dentistry. Uh, but the same. Yeah, I would not go to Rand Paul for advice on, let's say, uh, if I had, I don't know, a bizarre looking splotch on my skin. I would not seek medical advice from Rand Paul. Uh, right. All right. So the Republicans, Rand Paul clearly uh, feels it's a triumph because I've been getting fundraising emails from Rand Paul. People saying, oh, I really let Anthony Fauci have it. Uh, and uh, but, people, yeah. Well, the know. thing is, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, Fauci, and this is why he was pissed off. The, the, the right wing has made him the new poster boy mm-hmm. uh, for evil. They're raising money off of them, they're, they're, they're uh, they, they've, they've turned his good name into something bad. Uh, because of the virus. And instead of uh, pointing out the obvious that it was Trump's incompetence that led to nearly 700,000 people dead, Americans dead from the, from the COVID, it's, it's Fauci's fault. Mm-hmm. And, well, you're you're my expert on uh, centrist Democrats and centrist voters, so help me out here. Uh, okay. In your humble opinion, yeah. the Quintus the quintessential swing voter in suburban Milwaukee or DuPage County here in the Chicagoland area. Will they look at yeah. this showdown between Dr. Fauci and Senator Paul and go, I agree with Senator Paul. Or will they look at this uh, showdown and go, I'm with Fauci. Your thoughts on the quintessential swing voter from uh, oh, suburban there with, there with Fauci. You know, Fauci... Fauci is the man who led to HIV not being a death sentence mm. because of his research and, and activity. Uh, he, 
you you don't know anything that Rand Paul did medically. I mean, you know, he didn't come up with a uh, he didn't invent dental implants or something like that. <laughs> so that you have to wear false teeth. Uh, so okay, Rand Paul is is a nobody as far as medical concerned, and he's a, he's a, a rather weird Republican in general. Yeah, his daddy was so, a libertarian. No, yeah, uh, exactly. I remember his dad, uh, Ron Paul, who was right. a congressman from Texas. Uh, Rand right. is a senator from Tennessee. His father was an out-and-out libertarian. Uh, Rand is like uh, one of those Kentucky, libertarians. Kentucky, not, not Tennessee, Kentucky. My bad, Kentucky, Paul. yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, um, uh, and uh, Ron Paul was a libertarian, and, and Rand Paul's one of those phony libertarians uh, who yeah. says he's a libertarian but just doesn't like paying taxes. There's tons of those libertarians. Right. You know? I don't know what right. – I've never seen Rand Paul lift his finger to legalize reefer, for instance, which would be a libertarian stand. Um, I'm, I, I think you're right. I think Anthony Fauci has way more credibility than Rand Paul. I know uh, MAGA loves Rand Paul, and so they're going to be sending him money. So I understand uh, that no, – no, uh, Well, a lot of this is about money, getting money from, the, from, from get, get, getting fleas from the sheep. but but the the thing is they can't this is the republicans problem try as they might they can't make um biden into a bad guy they throw on everything but the kitchen sink at him and none of it has worked um you, you, you not at how these Republican events they always have these these um, anti Hillary or anti Obama or you name it uh, whatever they anti Pelosi whatever Democrats they want to eat hate they have all this paraphernalia and merchandise they sell uh, to make money uh, the, the 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 street vendors or what have you sell the anti whoever it is. Um, the anti-Biden stuff hasn't been selling, so they aren't even making it. <laughs> they cannot. Uh. They, Biden, Biden, they can't. The only, the only criticism they have going now, they're still talking about Sleepy Joe. Other than that, um, Biden is being manipulated by AOC and Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> and other progressive Democrats. <laughs> He's not doing this, this this progressive stuff on his own. Uh, these people are behind the, the scenes pulling the strings, making by Bernie do this stuff. Bernie made me do it. <laughs> right, exactly. It's Bernie's fault, right? Blaming <laughs> Bernie. Poor, poor, poor Bernie can't win. He's got all these uh, people right. the Democrat. The Hillary people are still mad at him for 2016. And now Matt right. is saying he's a diabolical. Uh, I love you, Bernie. I voted for you two for two. Uh, all right. Uh, final uh, point I want to talk to you about. And uh, you're my uh, explainer of all things MAGA and Fox. So Fox News yeah. is suddenly a few of their anchors are going around saying, you know, maybe we should uh, be vaccine, uh, get the vaccine anyway. Uh, right. I'm not quite sure what to make out of this other than shake my head in disbelief at the utter hypocrisy uh, of people no, who work for Fox. 180 degree term. <laughs> you talking about that 180 degree term. Uh, yeah. The reason 
that's happening is because um, all, all this time that Fox has been preaching anti-vaccine, anti-vaccination, um, it, it's been taken to heart among their viewers. And right now, um, the number of um, infections and hospitalizations and deaths are 99.2% unvaccinated, which means it's their people. And, well, and it's also blacks and brown people, but who cares about them? <laughs> the important thing, as far as the Fox is concerned, is that their viewers are being hospitalized and dying. And it's young people. You know, before it was it was people um, um, your age and my age, and you know we're going to die soon anyway, so who cares? Yeah. But now it's young people, and and they have um, young people who are in the hospital about to go on ventilators who are begging for the vaccination. And the, med the, the medical people have to tell them it's too late. The vaccination is not going to do you any good at this point. And, and you know, they're, they have these uh, possible deathbed confessions saying they wish they had gotten the vaccination. Yeah. They didn't think it could happen to them. Yeah, they um and so and then the other thing, oh, one other little thing with with our our, our friends at Fox is uh, they may be legally um vulnerable because of uh, constantly and consistently telling the lie about the vaccine. Where there they, they um there could be civil suits against them and there may be some legal because they they have no they have had no evidence that vaccination didn't work and they have not and they've been preaching this and it's the equivalent of yelling fire in a crowded theater. Uh, well, you know what? Next time uh, Jim Coogan's on with you, and uh, we should bring you guys back because it's, it's it's clearly a very popular episode on our show when you and Coogan are on together. Uh, we'd love to have a conversation, a discussion about that. You know, what accountability or responsibility uh, does a uh, an op a news operation like um, Fox or uh, Facebook, you know, or Twitter or what have you have? Yeah when it comes right. to the consequences of spreading falsehoods that are dangerous to people. Well, yeah, well, what's going to happen, you can take mm -hmm. this to the bank, is that um, Fox and, I mean, and, um, Facebook and Twitter are going to be regulated. There's going to be some regulation in the social media arena because they have become far too powerful and, um, they get to make it up as they go along, what their their rules are. Mm -hmm. And their main rules are how, how many clicks we can get, <laughs> yeah, how many how, yeah. how many more more followers, um, friends and tweeters that we can get. Yeah. So, yeah, I... Uh, so there has to be some accountability. Well, the, uh, this country as a whole 
is in a very bizarre uh, place when it comes to uh, the pandemic. And that was certainly on display last night. And I know you're not a uh, sports fan or a basketball fan, I should no, say. No, but, but I watched. I know. The, oh. the, you're being too harsh on me. <laughs> I'm a, I am a, I am a fair weather. <laughs> Bulls fan. <laughs> mainly, mainly Bulls fan. But when it comes to the playoffs, if if um if, if some storyline develops that I I find of interest, then I will, as a journalist, I will watch to figure out why is this so interesting to everybody. Well, so, okay, so uh, this uh, so, is one of those so spinoffs. In, in last night. Yeah, Giannis, uh, can you pronounce his name? Giannis. Uh, yeah, he scored 50 points, led yeah. the Bucks to a championship. But the point I wanted to make was yeah. that the number About of people the packed, the crowd packed into that right. uh, parking lot around the uh, the arena was estimated right. at 65,000. And when they would show the crowd shots, I didn't see a lot of masks. No, there weren't uh, a lot so of masks. Yeah, so this is why I'm saying this country's in a bizarre place in Chicago, about to have a Lollapalooza. And uh, so the official line of uh, the the people who uh, are in charge is that uh, the vaccine ended the need for shutdown. Uh, well, now it turns out that only half the people in the country have gotten the vaccine, and that's it's a con- that's my rough estimate of it. Uh, and so now you got to worry about the people who don't have the vaccine and suddenly, and you can also still get COVID even if you had the vaccine, although it won't be as bad. Uh, right. So, they, but you can spread you know, it. More than likely you're going to be asymptomatic, but even yes. if you are, but the chances of you're going to the hospital or dying, yeah. uh, um, you got a better chance of getting struck by lightning. But there's health consequences because you could spread it to somebody who uh, hasn't been vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. Although, again, that's minimal. I mean, that's that's minimal right now. Also, that you you because you can get the um, if you've had the vaccine and you 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 get the uh, virus in your 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 nasal passage, the vaccine will kill enough of the virus where um, not only does it not get to you and make you seriously sick, but it's not enough to make others sick for you to pass it on as a general. But again, you know, the thing is that um, is not being factored in enough is that no vaccination is 100%. Yeah. Um, you know, you can get measles if you have an animal, yeah, no. for example. Yeah. You know, your kids, your your kids could get me. Yeah, so we're 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 in a very, to put it mildly, sticky situation in this country with regards to the pandemic. That's putting it uh, mildly, but that was on full display last night. I'm watching. I was at my friend's house watching a game. A passionate basketball fan. We were vaccinated. Just want to point out, and uh, we did, and and we're both geezers. Uh, Monroe, my my friend that I was at, he's in his sixties, and we're just looking at these people, <laughs> and you know we can we we can recall a time in our life, Monroe, right, when we were, we were young, we and were, we might have been in we, that when crowd. We were young. We were, when we were young, and knew <laughs> we were going to live to be how old we are now. 
no question about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just have a different perspective right. when you're right. an old guy. Right. Like, look at the kid. Right. Like, who would right. want to go stand in a parking lot? <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I know. No, it's 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 insane. You know, but but when you you're 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 more social when you're yeah. that age. I mean, By the, the, way. the um, there are um, high school kids with all sorts of um, mental problems right now mm. because they weren't able to socialize with their friends. Yeah. You know, there's been more suicides have happened. I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 it, we, this, this, this period will be written and talked about a generation from mm. now. Yeah. So if the Bucks if if the Bucks winning uh, gives people a little happiness in uh, Cheesehead Land, I'm all for them. But I'm going to close with this point, Monroe. Uh, You were talking about yourself as a a, a Fairweather fan, a bandwagon jumper. I'm telling you right now, as a diehard basketball fan who follows basketball year in and year out, no matter how my beloved Bulls are doing, because it's just what I do. Okay, to get through life. I'm telling you right now, there were no you couldn't fill that parking lot with cheeseheads for Buck fans in 2000. You couldn't get 20 people to go to a parking lot to watch the Bucks. What a bunch of front runners in the state of Milwaukee. Oh, I love the Bucks, Giannis. Now everybody loves the winners. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> See, oh uh, my you, God. Yeah, your love is for the sport, but there are those of us who like winners and think that life is too short to waste on losers. <laughs> Whoa. That, that is Monroe Anderson speaking, ladies and gentlemen. The, the views and opinions of Monroe oh, Anderson do not. Before we go, Ben, before yes. we go, uh-huh. I asked a question that you didn't answer. What was that? How, how do you pronounce Giannis' last name? Atapotemko. Atapotemko? Yeah, it sounds good enough. Okay. But yeah, you know right. what? I'll I'm going to tell you something right it. now. Yes. Just call him Giannis, okay? Everybody yeah, right. know who you're talking. At this stage, right. there's only one Giannis in the country, and that's... In the world. In the world. Yeah, no, in seriously, the world. if you Google, all you have to do is Google his first name, and he, comes, he pops up. Uh, yes. Anyway, uh, we now do regular sports on the Ben Jarofsky show. Really happy to say, and, uh, we did a, we dropped a show about, uh, the NBA. We're going to do one on Giannis. He is a fascinating, uh, he's an absolutely fascinating individual. His backstory Monroe, uh, yeah. explains the composure he had in yesterday's game. And Danny Mialopoulos, who's uh, our guest on our show talking about it. Uh, you know, this is a guy who came up from, poverty in Greece. His family were immigrants to Greece. They had no protections. They came from Africa. So they were treated as like they were aliens, if you will. Yeah. And it was only after he became, uh, he showed the world his gifts as a basketball player, that the attitude sort of changed toward him. You follow what I mean? So yeah, right. it, it's like he's got a sense yeah. of perspective. The Greeks, about the Greeks the love world. a winner too. Yeah, they love the a winner too, winner. man. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, they love a well, They love Giannis and his family, the whole family right. now. So, right, uh, exactly, right. They're no different than cheeseheads, Greeks and cheeseheads. Right. I love a winner. Uh, and Monroe <laughs> Anderson, add him to the list. <laughs> right, exactly. 
Uh, all right. Very I, good I started watching the. I watched the game because of him. Well, you watched a great one about the series. You missed right. some really good uh, uh, games before because this was a heck of a series. If you're a basketball fan, a lot of great play and some tremendous moments. That steal by Drew Holiday. Uh, in uh, what was it Saturday? I've lost track of time. And Saturday's game was one of the great defensive plays uh, I've seen, and that followed the block by Giannis, which I was saying was a great defensive play. So uh, amazing basketball! Somehow or other, I'll stagger through the next two months without basketball, Monroe. And uh, next thing you know, it'll be October. Uh, all right, very good, Monroe Anderson. Right. Thank you very much. Appreciate you taking the time to uh, deal with our computer issues. The phone still works. Good to see that the phone still works, even if Google does not. Uh, so I want to thank you very much. Alexander Graham Bell. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll jump on his bandwagon. Uh, anyway, I want to thank also thank Rod Wilson, who was on the show earlier uh, from the Legina um, Hope Center. Uh, and uh, I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, uh, who really, really, really earned his salary today, keeping his cool and calm, Giannis like, uh, under pressure. Uh, and I think that uh, Monroe and Rod ex- agree that back home on Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. 